Welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. We are currently going through the letter to the Hebrews and we have made it to chapter 5. Last time we started uh, in chapter 5, we made it through uh, verse 10 uh, and uh, I had to stop just because, you know, time prevented us from continuing. But here we go. We're back and we're going to try to pick up where we left off. Um, there's a lot of things that we covered last time and I want to do a little review just so that we can hit some of the high points of what we talked about. Basically, uh, in chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we started talking about the priesthood. And this is, in this section of Hebrews, it is showing the superiority of Jesus Christ to the priesthood. And there's a lot of doctrine that we could cover in this and some I would like to touch on. I'd love to go into a lot more detail, but I just feel like that um, there's uh, other things that are being communicated here that right now seem to be more pressing than to going into the greater detail about the priesthood. But I love the doctrine of the priesthood, and so I'm very tempted to spend a lot of time there. So um, we looked at uh, the Levitical priesthood and what it represented, some of the high points of that priesthood. Uh, it was an ironic priesthood. It was um, Levitical in nature. And there was a high priest associated with that priesthood. There was basically the role of the priest was to represent the people to God so that people would have access to God. He set up this priesthood as a gift to the people so that they would have access to him. And uh, we can't just approach God any way we want that we have to approach him according to his specifications because he is holy, righteous and set apart. And we are beriddled with sin. So how do you bridge the gap between a sinner desiring to interact with a holy God. Well, you have a priesthood. So that was the purpose of the priesthood. And we saw a lot of that. And we also saw in verse 6 of chapter 5, the mention of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is a very interesting individual. And there's going to be more said about him as we get to chapter 7. But before we get to that chapter, things need to be said um, to these Hebrew believers and also to us. Because if you notice, the first few chapters of this book contain warnings. Because what was happening in the church at, uh, um, in Jerusalem with the Hebrews, we have the same problem now in our day. These people were not given the priority to the things of God that they should. And we understand that because they were under a lot of uh, persecution. They were being separated from their culture. Their family members were turning their backs on them. And all because they served the one true living God. And, you know, this is what he told us. He said that I didn't come to bring peace. I came to uh, set, you know, father against son, mother against daughter, and the likewise. So that's what the word does. It divides. That's why people hate the Bible. They hate um, the truth because it does divide. It does separate people. It doesn't bring people together. The only people that are brought together by the word of God are those who are um, saved, those who have been uh, redeemed, uh, those who are outside the faith, they hate the word of God because the truth convicts and uh, sinful man does not want to be convicted. So this is the problem that they were facing. And the writer to the 
this writer of this letter wants to encourage them to move forward because that's where their strength is. The growth and development of a believer is where the strength of that believer exists. We're only as strong as uh, the level of maturation that we've reached to. And so we should constantly be striving to higher levels of maturation. And there's rewards to that. There's a great benefit to growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And that comes from the study of the word. And these people, uh, the Hebrew people, have had access to God and his word far longer than any other race that has lived on the planet. Um, we're pushing close to that. We've had the word of God for quite a long time. But to have the word of God and to have God ingrained into our culture, no, we've never experienced that. Um, even in America, you can't say that the word of God is ingrained in our culture. We've probably come closer than uh, other nations, uh, but uh, still no one has enjoyed the presence and the ministry of God the way that um, the Hebrew people have. And so the writer here is holding them to task uh, and saying, hey, in light of that, I have some very stern words to share. And that's where we pick up in um, chapter 5, verse 10. He refers to, in verse 10, um, the, in verse 9, he talks about our eternal salvation and how that um, we have been placed into this uh, wonderful position of uh, being eternally saved um, and that that salvation is earmarked by the fact that we obey him. So obeying God is how people know that we're saved. We know that we're saved because of the work that Jesus accomplished, but other people know that we're saved because we obey him. So it's very important that people see us obeying. In verse 10, called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So here we're going to start or where the writer was starting to talk about the Lord Jesus uh, being a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So first he started off talking about Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood, but Jesus was not a priest in the line of Aaron. Neither are we. Um, we, I mean, we're not Jews. We're not Levites. Um, we don't have access to that priesthood. In fact, that priesthood was pretty much null and void, superseded, by the Lord Jesus and the priesthood that he has brought with him. And that priesthood is in the line of the order of Melchizedek. So, like I said, we're going to talk about who Melchizedek is and why that's significant and what it means to us. But before we do that, the writer wants to admonish us. He wants to admonish us for this... Uh, not moving on to maturity. And I, I thought to myself, what prevents us from moving on to maturity? What is the root cause of this uh, not moving on to higher levels of maturity and understanding and deeper the deeper things of the Lord Jesus, his work, his person, and our relationship to him? And it's simply unbelief. Because we don't prioritize the word of God in our lives the way we should, it causes us to miss out on some very wonderful things, uh, things that are associated with eternity and this eternal salvation that's mentioned here in um, chapter 5, verse 9. There's a lot of things ahead of us that are revealed now. But it's hard for people to come to an understanding or knowledge of those things if we don't get past the ABCs. And that's what the writer is going to start admonishing us about starting in verse 11. 
he says, uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus and his being in the order of Melchizedek, he says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to utter, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Basically, what he's saying is, is that there's a lot of things that he'd like to share about this order of Melchizedek. And there's a lot of blessings and doctrines associated with it that he'd like to go into detail about, but he can't because these Hebrew believers and many of the believers today, uh, we have this problem that we are dull of hearing. And dull of hearing means that we just are not putting forth the effort to grow so that we can understand these deeper things. Now, I have been very fortunate that God has blessed me with the uh, gift of teaching. And having that gift, he's created this passion in me to learn and to know more and to grow um, and also, I attribute a lot of that to uh, my pastor uh, of the church I went to. Uh, he was—he uh, always encouraged uh, the congregation to continue to grow and to um, devote ourselves to the study of the word. But that's the same exhortation everyone else gets. So I know that I'm fortunate that this gift is benefiting me in that it makes me want to learn and to grow and to learn more. But I can also see in myself kind of a laziness. You know, I should be further along than I am. I should have, uh, I should be, when I evaluate myself, I realize that there are certain things that I should know by now that I don't know and that I still um, and it's not be, and I still don't know and it's not because uh, the word is not here for me or I don't have God the Holy Spirit to teach me or the resources are not available it has more to do with the fact that I'm just lazy and so I know if I have this problem then this problem is probably something that is shared by others and it's it's not it shouldn't be that way. We have the oracles of God. We have the Lord Jesus who has put forth uh, all this effort to communicate to us and to connect with us through God the Holy Spirit, through His Word, through His actions, through His death, burial, and resurrection. And we have an obligation to. Consider him, as the uh, letter said earlier, and to lay hold to the deep things that he has for us. Uh, he has laid hold of us for a purpose, and we need to make it our purpose to find out what that is and accomplish what it is that he has for us to do. So uh, these, just like these Hebrew believers we can get to the point to where we're dull of hearing, where we tune out the ministry of the word because other things are just more interesting and it shouldn't be so. In verse 12, for, for, when, for, the, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not a strong meat. So the milk of the word is often described as the kind of the ABCs, the very beginnings, um, the things that we learn in salvation about the Lord Jesus, his person, his work, how that he died and rose again, uh, and that that resurrection uh, is the key to our salvation. Um, these are the very basic things. Uh, and they're considered to be the milk. And you need milk. Babies need milk because that's all babies can take. You know, their digestive systems cannot 
handle any other type of food. But how long are we going to be babies? How long are we going to sustain ourselves on the milk? You know, I know certain people who would rather listen to um, music, you know, uh, so-called gospel or spiritual music, which I have nothing against. I love listening to uh, songs about the Lord Jesus. I love it. I enjoy it greatly. But you can't put that in the same place as the word of God. Because whereas those songs uh, benefit me and they make me feel good and they make me think about the good things that the Lord has accomplished, that's not even milk. The things that are that are associated with um, salvation and uh, the word of God, I mean, you can't live off of worship music. And if you think you can, then you are very wrong and again i'm not saying there's anything wrong with worship music it's wonderful but we have to understand that we have a responsibility to move away from the milk and get to this strong meat right because we can't be built up uh we can't be strengthened and built up by milk alone we have to keep moving forward we have to press towards the high calling like Paul said, and we and it's not easy. It's, it's we have to press. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil trying to keep us from pressing towards it. But the way that we get stronger, the way that we overcome those things, is by getting to the meat of the word. And the more uh, stake you have, the more the stronger you are. And so there's a place for milk, and there's a place for strong meat. Now, Mechizedek and the doctrines associated with Mechizedek and the Lord Jesus, this is strong meat. It requires very diligent study. It requires meditation and prayerful meditation on the principles and the things that are associated with the word of God. You have to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament and all the doctrines that are presented to us. Wonderful doctrines, delightful doctrines, but we have to spend time meditating on these things and we should fellowship one with another by sharing the things that God, the Holy Spirit shows us from these meditations. That's what makes fellowship, fellowship is, is discussing and sharing and encouraging one another in the word. Um, it's a it's a wonderful thing. We're enjoying some of that right now just by studying together. Um, this is this is how we move on and move forward from the milk to the strong meat of the word. In verse thirteen, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So that's basically when you're first saved. When you're first saved, you don't know much. You know everything you need to know. You know the Lord Jesus. You know he saved you. You know how he saved you. You understand redemption, right, and salvation. But if someone was to ask you to explain that and to show them uh, in the word of God why you believe what you believe, it's a little challenging. I know because I experienced that. Uh, when I was first saved, um, there are certain things that I thought I knew because I was taught for years that was incorrect, but it was all I knew. And once I went to try to prove these things that were incorrect, I found out that they were totally opposite to what the Bible taught because I never really read the Bible. I didn't understand it. I didn't have God, the Holy Spirit leading me when I read it. So it just didn't make sense. It was just a bunch of books and there was nothing connected. But now... Because I have spent time in the word and studied it and prayerfully asked for guidance. Now it all seems like one message. I can see the, the beauty of the, the message. How that 
all these different men were led and ministered to in different ways and they say different things in a different ways, but it's all the same message. It's all one voice. It's the voice of God speaking through them. And there's a beauty to that that I can't express in words because it is so it's so it's almost poetic in the expression. And that's that's the beauty of pressing forward to getting to the strong meat because you have to get there before you're able to really appreciate and understand the depth, the height, the width of the word of God. And it just paints a picture of God. The more you learn of his doctrines and the things that he's revealed about himself and in his word, it paints a picture of it. It's like a, it's like a little, um, jigsaw puzzle and everything starts fitting together and it makes an image and the image is beautiful and the image makes you strong because now when you look to him you see him in a way that you couldn't at first you see more of him and the more you see of him the stronger you are right because he's right there so that's what we need. That's what that's what the writer is saying that we need to we need to get to that place. And he wants to help us get there, but we have to be there's a responsibility on our part to press towards the high calling. We have a responsibility. God has given us God the Holy Spirit, the word. He's provided everything that we need to grow. But we have there has to be an impetus on our part to do the work associated with the growth. You know, we have to be able to cut that meat up and cut it into pieces and you gotta chew on it for a while before you swallow. And you know, all of those things are important to our growth. Um, and you know, it says here in verse 13, anyone that is still using milk after years of walking with the Lord, well, that's a babe. And how embarrassing would it be if you're walking down the street with a, as an adult with a bottle in your mouth, sucking on a bottle? I mean, that's basically what babes in Christ are doing. And it's not because they don't have the opportunity to grow. It's because they're not doing those things, putting the work in to grow. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're quenching the Holy Spirit. And so that they don't have an opportunity to walk in faith and grace and grow, you know, and these, these are the things that he's warning the Hebrews against and he's warning us as well. So it's very important that we move forward, not as a babe, but move forward and desire the strong meat. In verse 14 of chapter 5, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, right? Once you grow up, you eat steak, you eat meat. You're not walking around drinking milk all the time, sustaining yourself on milk. You want food, solid food. And that's solid food is associated with those who are of a full age, those who have matured. Uh, and that's what we need to be doing, moving on to maturity. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So this is the key sign of maturity, that you're able to discern good and evil and not just um, basic discernment of good and evil, but being able to spot things that are incorrect. Uh, being able to spot error when it's being presented in a very subtle way. Um, that's what we have to learn to do because the enemy is clever and is able to lure us into traps. And we have to be able to discern when something is good or evil so that we'll know which way to turn, which direction to go in. And that comes from being a full age. So this is the warning 
that um, is given. And he takes this uh, opportunity given by this study, this very deep study of uh, the order of Melchizedek and how it relates to the Lord Jesus to make this point. And it's very, very wise point to uh, bring up. And this is a very good location in the scripture um, and in this revelation to the Hebrews to make that point because the doctrine of Melchizedek has a lot to do with types and people don't want to talk about types. You know, types for some people is a gray area. When you talk about something being a type of Christ, um, the first person that comes to my mind as a type of Christ um, is Joseph and his life. There's a lot of parallels between the Lord Jesus and what happened to Joseph. And once you start understanding those types, it could be a great blessing to you because you get to see how that God was speaking to us through this man's life. He had no idea that what he was experiencing was so much more significant than what he was experiencing at the time. But we can see by looking back the power, the purpose of God in this man's life and how he uses this man and the experiences that he went through to make us feel things that we couldn't feel or know apart from uh, this man's story. So these are the, the, the meaty meals that are out there for us. And there's so much of that um, to be had. But we have to be of a full age so we can discern between what really is a type and what isn't. Because you can make anything a type if you wanted to. So you really have to be careful that you stay within the bounds of what scripture allows. And that comes from maturity. That comes from study. That comes from um, the Lord revealing these things to us. So it's very important that we um, move on to maturity. There's a lot of blessings that await us in doing so. Now in chapter 6, um, he's going to continue this same theme, right? But he's going to go into a little more detail. Um, in chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, he says, based on these facts that we need to grow up, that it's important for us to move beyond milk and start eating solid food, and we need to discern between good and evil. We need to develop that skill. Therefore, based on this truth, leaving the principles of doctrines, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. So the principles of the doctrine of Christ, that, that's the basic things, the ABCs, his death, his burial, his resurrection, uh, that he existed, that he was born of a virgin. These are the things that are basic uh, to his story. But those are just the ABCs, the building blocks of much greater truths that we can glean from his life, from his purpose and from his work. As we take the whole of scripture and we see the uniformity of the message and we can see God speaking to us individually um, in a way that we can't if we don't move beyond these uh, principles these basic doctrines. Uh, it says, let us go on to perfection. Now, this is not perfection, meaning that, oh yeah, I know everything and I'm perfect. It's completion. It means completion, that we get to a point to where we are complete, where we have a much more complete knowledge of God and of his word, and we can see his perfections. We can be at a point of growth where we can see better his perfection. And by seeing that, it will make us stronger. It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance, right? Because um, we should, no one should have to come to us and say, okay, let me tell you what repentance is and how it works and, you know, confessing your sin and take all that to the Lord and, you know, move on and, be, and grow beyond sin. We know these things. That foundation has already been laid. We have that knowledge. 
Um, now it's time for us to move beyond that. These Hebrew people, they had that foundation laid as far back as Abraham. Um, uh, God has been ministering to these people uh, all the way back, you know, in, in diverse manners, in, in various ways through uh, different people. Uh, they had these doctrines. They're not new to them. And so the writer is saying we have to move beyond this stuff. We have to get on to the to the 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 better things, right? We have to move past the Sabbath. We have to move past Moses. We have to move past the priesthood. Now we have Jesus. We have the better things. And we need to consume ourselves with the study, the understanding, and the knowledge of Christ. That's what he's saying. It's time for us to move on from the foundation of repentance, from dead works, and faith towards God. These are the basic principles that are associated with um, God and his relationship to the Hebrew people. And he says in verse 2, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These are all things that are they've been taught from the very beginning. These are all basic principles that are in the word of God, starting in um, Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. So they have been exposed to these basic truths. And now that Jesus has come, they should understand from the Hebrew writer's perspective that, look, he is the fulfillment of all those things. All those things pointed to what he's accomplished. And now we have him, you know. There's no turning back to the old ways. Don't look back behind you. Look forward to the Lord Jesus is what he's saying. We have greater things now than we've ever had. And we need to embrace these, this, the newness, the superiority of the Lord Jesus and this new covenant that's in his blood. This new priesthood that's been established. Uh, this new order that's come with his resurrection in verse three and this we will do if god permits now to me this is very important because he lays it down pretty clearly why is it that some people move on to maturity and other people do not it's because of the grace of god if god permits you to do so you will grow and that's why some you have the charles spurgeons and the uh, different ones that have come before that, you know, you read their work and their sermons and you're amazed at the, the way that they present the Lord Jesus. And it's because God has, um, has accomplished something in them that we can see and we benefit from. He has permitted them to grow and to manifest his grace uh, on a different level. And we all have that opportunity. Uh, and that's why he says, if God permits, because he understands that this is part of the sovereign will of God. And that so that none of us beat ourselves up too badly. And, you know, oh, you know, I'm just not a very good believer and I don't do the things I should. Well, yeah, of course you don't. But that doesn't mean you have to stay that way. And at the end of the day, God is going to accomplish everything in you that he has purposed to accomplish in you, right? It's all in the hands of God. So, yes, we do have a responsibility. There is a part that we play in this, but thanks be to God that he is going to accomplish in us, in spite of us, everything that he wills to do. So we need to be pressing forward in obedience to him and to his word and trust that he's going to accomplish these things in us. Now, next we come to a section in Hebrew, starting with verse 4 of chapter 6, that's been highly controversial. I found, I didn't realize this until I started studying it, that this was a very controversial part of the word. When I first came to this section, I was very confused because I was you know, newly saved and I didn't have, um, I was still drinking milk, but fortunately my pastor, 
had moved on to solid food. And he was able to explain this in a way that gave me a good foundation for future study. Now, I wouldn't say that he and I see completely eye and eye, eye to eye on the interpretation of this, but um, we're pretty close. So I'm comfortable with that. Um, and you may not completely agree with what it is that I'm about to say, but that's okay. The Lord knows, and he's going to make it uh, true to you if it is uh, that's his will. Uh, I trust him to minister to you in such a way and to make you to know the truth of his word. So my job is to just proclaim it. And I'm going to do that uh, in faith, trusting him. So starting in verse four, it says, for it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost um, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open, open shame. Now, it sounds like you can lose your salvation here. It sounds like, well, you know, you were saved before and now something has happened and you've lost your salvation and now you can't ever get it back. That's the initial feel of it. But that's not the case. We have to always remember to take in consideration the context in which something is being written. This is written to Hebrew believers at a time when they were being excommunicated from their culture, from their family members. They could no longer worship in the uh, temple worship. They had nothing to do with the Aaronic priesthood, the, the Levites anymore. They said, we don't have to go, you know, offer sacrifices that the Lord Jesus has accomplished uh, the once for all sacrifice for sin. And now we don't have to do that anymore. So everybody was like, oh my gosh, that's blasphemy. You're turning away from uh, God and uh, the consequences of that you know, were that they were alienated. They were, um, you know, ostracized from their society, from their family, from everything that they knew to be um, worshipped before. So now there was a temptation for them to want to go back to that. I mean, the persecution was hard. They couldn't sell. They couldn't work. They couldn't earn money. They, they were just like lepers. And so they had to depend on one another and pull their meager resources just to survive. All of this because they believed the Lord Jesus and his word. So it was very difficult for them. This is a very difficult time. And that's why the writer wrote this letter to say, these are the things you need to survive this. You have to press forward. And you have to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. You have to lean on his word and move on to maturity. That's the only way you're going to survive this difficult time. And it's the same thing for us when we go through difficult things. We have to lean on the word of God. We have to. We need that strength to hold us up. And we have to know that the truth is the truth. So that no matter what else comes before us, we can discern between good and evil. We, 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 we move on to maturity so that we can, having done all things, stand. So that's what's being said here. That's the warning that they don't give up on this forward progression towards the high calling, towards this ultimate uh, eternal salvation and all the blessings associated with uh, being partakers of the heavenly calling. Um, that's the warning here. So it's not that they may lose their salvation, but they will lose the blessings associated with growing in grace and moving on to maturity because there was a danger that they could, having experienced these things, uh, turn away from them. And they wouldn't lose their salvation, but they will lose the reward. 
the reward that awaits all believers in heaven uh, for the work that we do here on earth. And the same danger applies to us. It's the world can call to us in such a way that we could turn our backs on uh, the things that uh, we know to be true, the things that are associated with the Lord Jesus and with his service that we could, you know, become shipwrecked and we could just say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on some other things. And before you know it, several years have gone by and you spent many years in uh, wasting away your gifts that the Lord has given you, wasting away your opportunities to minister on his behalf to the point to where you don't even think about ministering. And somebody that's listening to this lesson may be in that place. And if you are, I exhort you to look to the Lord Jesus and ask him to deliver you from that place because you're not happy. You're the worst kind of depressed. You're the, you're the worst kind of defeated. And you don't have to stay there. The Lord Jesus is standing, waiting for you to come to him. And he wants you to enjoy him. He wants to enjoy fellowship with you. He wants you to remember the beauty of that fellowship and how wonderful it feels to, for, to have him through his word and through his presence embrace you through God the Holy Spirit. And the joy associated with God the Holy Spirit and knowing that you're serving and you're walking in a way that's right, that is available to you. It's there and he wants you to have it. So that's what this warning is, is to, to, that we don't fall into this place where we can't go back. And then, you know, we spend our life not serving him and then we die. And there's no way to fix that. That time is lost. You know, you can't redeem that time anymore because it's gone. So this is for the living. This is for those who can hear the word of God and what I'm saying. Don't allow that to happen to you. Don't allow that to be your your end. And it's a danger we all face because he says it's impossible for those who are once enlightened. I mean, they they were exposed to the word. They were exposed to the truth. They were enlightened by the word. They've tasted of the heavenly gift. They know um, they've had at least the, the milk of the word and they've tasted of it. They were partakers of, of um, the Holy Ghost. And so they know the blessing of God, the Holy Spirit and walking in faith. Okay. And they've tasted the good word of God. They know the, the word of God is true and that it's good and it's powerful and it separates uh, it's powerful than any, sharper than any two-edged sword. It separates soul and spirit. They know about that. They've experienced that. And the powers of the world to come, the the ages ahead of us and how that God is going to establish um, a new earth and a new heaven. Uh, they know of these things. In verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves, the son of God afresh. So he's saying you can get to a point to where you're of no use, you know, and the crucifixion, the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It just doesn't have that same effect upon you. It doesn't bring you the joy that it did before. And I believe that's what's being said here is that, I mean, you can't, you can get to a point to where you lose that joy of your salvation. And, you know, you can't re-experience that all over again like you did before because 
We can't re-crucify the Lord Jesus. That's a, that when you realize what he has accomplished on our behalf, that's enough. That's enough. When it becomes to a point where it's not enough, where it doesn't affect you anymore, when you don't experience joy from what he's done on your behalf, that's where you're in a place, a very bad place, um, a place of shipwreck. And that's what the writer is trying to keep us from, from happening to us. Cause, because we're, we have an opportunity to serve right now in a way that we'll never will again. And we don't want to wind up like this. Uh, verse 7, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and, and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So now an analogy is made of being open like the earth is to rain and the blessing that comes from it and the, the fruit that is that you bear. The earth bears fruit because the rain comes in, it drinks in the rain, and then it bears fruit. You know, there's herbs uh, that come from the earth. And we take care of that, and 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 it's a blessing from God. We take care of those things. We those things nurture us, and they nurture other people. And that's what we have. That's the opportunity we have as we grow in grace. Is that the word of God is like that rain, and it's going to be the showers of blessing that make us to grow. And there's going to be fruit that comes from our lives that other people are going to benefit from. Now, for those who are shipwrecked, well, they don't bear any fruit. They just manifest the old nature, thorns and briars, things that God rejects, things that are associated with being burned. Now, we have, as believers, we have the Bema. The Bema is the judgment seat of Christ and we're all going to stand before him and he's going to look at our lives since we were saved and everything that we did that was for him that was good is going to come out as um, gold and precious precious gems, rewards that are can't be devoured by the flames. But all of our works are going to be put in the flame and the stuff that is worthy, eternal, and good that's done on his behalf comes out as a reward. Now, everything else is burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. And I think there's a reference here to that, that if we get up to the point to where we're shipwrecked, we're not serving the Lord Jesus. There's no blessing that's coming from us. There's only wood, hay, and stubble. And those things are to be burned up and consumed. So that's the message here. That's the stern warning that we were being given to grow and to pursue um, the solid meat of the word. And this letter to the Hebrews is full of solid meat. This is not baby stuff. This is not milk. And so I, I ask that you pray for me that I would be able to continue in this study and to rightly um, divide the word and bring out this this meat and that I would be able to cut it up in pieces by the grace of God so that we can all um, have something to chew on and something to meditate on. And we should be meditating on these words and on this truth because we don't want to wind up um, unprofitable, not redeeming the time that we have. And, you know, we don't have a lot of time. Our lives are very short, if you think about it. And some of us won't even make it to 50 years old. You know, um, we don't know how long we have. So we have to make sure that we're concentrated on spending this time 
at every opportunity to meditate on the word, to minister to others, and to be open to the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, to lead and guide us in his word and showing us and teaching us how to discern between good and evil. So that's the message here. Um, we're going to stop here uh, at verse eight, because I think starting in verse nine, um, there's uh, more that needs to be said. But um, I want to make sure we give it the adequate time and consideration that it's due. So I'll just stop here and say, um, this has been a difficult lesson. There's been some difficult things to chew on, right? But I pray that we are rightly ministered to by the challenges that the writer has presented to us. There are dangers that we have to be aware of, but there's great blessings associated with obedience and believe in the Lord Jesus. So let's consider him who um, knows our hearts. He knows how we feel. He knows the challenges that we face. I don't know exactly what you feel or the things that you're going through. I can't relate completely to that, but he can. So go to him and uh, share it with him and you know, he'll he'll take your heavy burden and he'll give you his yoke, which is light. And, um, you know, he doesn't have anything burdening him. <laughs> He's sitting on his throne. Um, having all the work being finished and he's just watching his work play out and he's watching us serve him. And if you want to please him, serve him. Do the work that he's given us to do. You know, minister to those who need our ministry. Proclaim the truth, the gospel. Uh, proclaim the truth through your life and your actions, as well as through your words. Uh, let's close. Father, thank you for your instruction, for your warnings that you give us. Um, I can't adequately communicate these things, but I trust God, the Holy Spirit, to do so. I pray you to continue to minister to me and to watch over all of your people and lead us and guide us into maturation so that we can serve you in a way that brings you the most glory and the most honor in this life that we live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.